0: Welcome to Real Weddings with Sarah. I'm Sarah Kennedy from Irish Wedding Blog, one of Ireland's leading sources for wedding inspiration, advice, and support. Real Weddings with Sarah brings you an inside snoop of some of Ireland's best-loved personalities and celebrity weddings. Join me as I indulge on all of the wedding goss. Today, I'm joined by the man of many, many voices, We first met today's guest as Dr. Hanlon on Row, but today we hear him take off some of Ireland's and the world's most famous characters. Mario Rosenstock has been entertaining us on radio, TV, and the stage for decades. But today, he's here as himself to talk all things wedding and marriage. Welcome, Mario Rosenstock. I
1: didn't realise I was going to be here to talk all weddings and marriage and I hope I don't walk myself into a tunnel but of... But is
0: this not your mastermind topic?
1: <laughs> my own marriage? <laughs> your chosen subject? My wife. 1996 <laughs> to the present day.
0: And how did you meet? How did we it? meet?
1: Oh well, I, I, we actually... We actually had a classic 1990s uh, meeting. Remember, there was no Facebook, there was no YouTube, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter, there was no Bebo, there was no MySpace, there was no computers at all. Jesus, how did you get on? barely the internet. And we met in the Globe. Oh no, we didn't meet in the Globe. Our second date was in the Globe. We met in the Kitchen Nightclub. Bono's Nightclub. Yes. And it was like... And literally across a crowded dance floor, I saw this vision a brown-eyed vision um in an angora skirt wow an angora no it was a ba- it was a suede skirt brown suede skirt and a white angora top
0: very 90s
1: very 90s
0: and what was the song that was playing
1: it was just be solid 90s solid solid 90s uh, sort of um ravey funky nightclub-y stuff and um, I saw her from a distance, literally across, across a credit uh, dance floor. Now, this is where it gets really cheesy. Right, go on. This was late at Jeez night. Cheese us up. This was late at night. It was about 2.30 in the morning. And I met her eyes across the floor and we started walking towards each other.
0: Like just magnetic pull.
1: So, kind of, yeah. And the first thing I did, we did, when we got, was kiss. When I, we did Straight
0: in for the shift. Yeah. Not even what's your name. Yeah. Straight in. No.
1: Love the Nobody could have heard any talking in Not the slow
0: set. It was not me able to hear the talking!
1: So we decided to skip the talking and move straight for the tongues. Straight in. There's two things that tongues can be used for. Talking and kissing.
0: And you opted with option two? Option B. Love it. And
1: so the second thing I did then, I really want to annoy your listeners. Go on. So back then I was only 25 and I was a little bit of a handful right and as I, most 25 years I say that generously about myself I had notions <laughs> and after I kissed her or she kissed me I said that wasn't great I'm going to have to teach you
0: oh my god yep she married you yep oh my dear lord
1: so I parked her at th- at the bar <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I parked her at the bar, and I taught her how to kiss. Oh! Now my that is the most arrogant God. thing I've ever heard anybody say.
0: How did you live with yourself? It, it wasn't yourself? me.
1: It wasn't me because I am not that person anymore. So it I was can twenty-five-year-old marriage. No, it wasn't. I am not. I am not, not him anymore. I am a totally different person. Of
0: course, of course. Anyway,
1: um, I, that was back then, and she must have thought, "Who the hell does this idiot think he she is? Such a bad boy." But she thought almost. I think I was joking. Treated me and Keith McKean. I, I don't maybe. It could have been. I think this guy is so outlandish. I'll have to get, see him again to see if he's actually that bad. <laughs> so anyway, we agreed to meet again. But because we were a little... Remember, this is the 90s and I'm 25 and it's 2.30 in the morning. Of course. We were kind of hammered when we met each other. No. And so when we met again for the second time, we both had to bring chaperones to identify who we were. <laughs> so I brought Nick. And she brought Sophie. Right. And neither of us recognised each other, oh, so God. we ended up in the club on um, Georgia Street, and we were reunited again.
0: And did you feel that the second time you saw her, did you feel that yeah. same thing from yeah. the night?
1: Yeah, I felt the same. Bing, the eyes. She reminded me of Vivian Lee from Gone with the Wind. Wow, she looked like Scarlett O'Hara.
0: That's amazing.
1: And uh, she still does. She still has the look of Scarlett about her. Um, this beautiful, She's got the vibe. beautiful, beautiful uh, brunette hair very dark brown eyes, um, perfect little angular face, um, twinkling kind of eyes yeah. and, a, and a tiny little petite frame. Wow. And uh, uh, so, she, so she was just absolutely gorgeous. And, um, you know, I you was kind of, things like this happen to you because you sort of look at somebody and they go bing in your in your eyes. Yeah. And, and part of that maybe is because of the time you're in your life yourself. Yeah. So remember, I was a handful. Of course. So up to that point, I had been doing handfully things, you know. So like as being a handful going around the place,
0: as one handful
1: does, trying to be a handful with myself, and uh, showing myself to be a handful with people. So maybe I'd got sick of being a handful,
0: and she maybe tamed I you. was.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say tamed is is one word. It's it's like that. You were kind of. I was on the lookout, maybe even subconsciously. For somebody that meant something more than just a shift, yeah, um, and mm-hmm. something you know, when you you don't know what's happening to you really, so yeah, exactly, you're just
0: drawn and you can't help it. Yeah, and you
1: don't know what's going on, and it's only a, a retrospect you realise what's going on.
0: And when was it that you realised that she was the one that you were going to marry, and you wanted to marry?
1: I'd say, um, I'd say after about, I'd say after about a year. When you go through those things where you go through early knocks together and you go through early ups and downs together and the initial kind of, um, let's say, uh, the initial um, hand foolishness between the two of you wears off very slightly that you still dig each other Mm -hmm. and you still want to spend evenings together and you do try to do that. And then you do those things like watch TV together or just stay in and have a quiet night together. And you
0: prefer to do that?
1: Sometimes, yeah. But when you do those ones together and then you feel still feel happy and then when you're apart for a while and then you miss her. Yeah. And then, you know, then as well.
0: And how, how did you propose?
1: Oh, um, so we went to Amsterdam and uh, we went to Amsterdam. We Neither of us had much money at the time. And I was 29 and Blond was 25. So we went to Amsterdam, and we kind of knew we were going to get engaged, even though we didn't sort of say it. And did it. It was blonde have to
0: probe you to kind of give you a like, you know, are you going to propose?
1: She nudged me along the way ever so subtly, not yeah. not forced, but okay. I knew that when we were going to Amsterdam that I wasn't there was just, an
0: expectation. I
1: wasn't just going there to look at the canals. And actually, one of the reasons we were going to Amsterdam was because Amsterdam is one of the homes of the best diamonds. So we didn't have That's any.:: right. So we went to a diamond factory.: Wow. And we bought a diamond in a diamond factory.
0: And did you get it made up there mm, into mm. a ring? Oh.: fabulous. But the
1: thing was that we didn't have much money. So the, I got a really nice diamond for like the amount of money I would have got a really awful diamond for in Dublin. So we kind of got a diamond. I mean, remember when we went into the diamond factory and uh, he put us in, on the desk, and they have a chute behind him, like a cannon, that come, that the diamonds come down yeah. through from above. And he goes, OK, so let's have a look at your diamonds there. So you want to buy purchase a diamond? So, uh, yes, let's have a look at the diamond. What is the you initial budget? And I went, well, let's talk budgets later. So we will get the top premium bra- diamonds now. them down. So we put these rocks on the table. And I was just going, I think we need to go for the other shoot. <laughs> uh, so a cheaper shoot? The smaller one? Yes, you we, we like the smaller ones. And uh, you go to the small one. And then I think we need to go a little smaller again. Um, until eventually we were down to a microscopic thing and he ended up going no don't worry when it is mounted you will be able to see it (laughs) Um, but anyway we got it and then we went to a restaurant afterwards called Restaurant Lüden in uh, Amsterdam and I got down on my knee in the restaurant and told her how much I meant she meant to me Uh, actually I was going to say how much I meant to her (laughs) no my up my handfulness had gone by that stage you had uh, handed yourself over. No, and I was i was saying, I told her how much she meant to me and, and how I wanted to get married. And this was after five years.
0: So it's a decent a decent courtship.
1: Yeah, it was... A good one, so you a, knew. Oh, we do. She had seen all of of my... Warts mo- and all. Warts and all. And in fairness, I'd seen hers as well.
0: Yeah, of course. And
1: in the process, got to know her folks and all that as well. And, you know, they're often very important. And in this case, was was, was true as well. Well, that's it. And we'd been through lots of scrapes together. And... Um, We'd also gone through a kind of a bit of a changing, you know, financially as well. I just kind of started to do well on the radio and get more of a serious job and more of a, um, a steady work. And I could see a little kind of trajectory where there might even be uh, kind of the beginnings of a career going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so things were changing in that respect as well. And and, and we, we were still together. And uh, so we got engaged for a year. And uh, so the weekend we got engaged actually typical bloke thing but it was the it was the weekend of Brian O'Driscoll's three tries in, in oh, Paris Of course, yes which, which started the whole thing for O'Driscoll and uh, so that's one of the reasons I'll never forget it as well uh, Ingrained but, uh, Ingrained but then a year later we were married Brilliant So we got married
0: And did you were you hands on in the wedding planning?
1: Not at all No, no do you remember? All, it was. All, do I remember? Do you
0: remember much of the planning?
1: Do I remember much of the planning? Not at all No, I remember none you turned of, up I, 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 I just I, I do remember none of the planning I mean basically I was at least fifth in command. Um, um, I wasn't even second or third.
0: Did you get to pick your suit?
1: Uh, y- no, no, no. Her mother did. Lovely. Blonan's mother, who's dead now, um, Maria, and um, Blonin's mum was a powerful woman, and um, she was, a, and I really got on with her. And uh, but she was, she had great energy, a brilliant.
0: And she had a vision for your wedding day.
1: Blonde's wedding day. Yeah. I think I was just, you know, you were the passenger. Yeah, I'm, I, if I was, you know, I thought I was an actor. I was really only an extra. Um, <laughs> I was crowd, crowd scenes in Fair City.
0: Back oh, of there's your somebody head.
1: else there in the background shot. That's the husband. Um, okay, um, I love the honesty a, of it. Get a close up of the husband there. Forget the close up. Just get a wide shot. Get a close just up. get of a suit. Get a close up of the whore, of the wife. Get a suit. And um, I remember staying up all night, nearly the night before, trying to pick my wedding song with my brother. My first wedding, the wedding song
0: for the first dance.
1: For the first dance. Wow, and was that your? Do- was
0: that one job you had?
1: Yeah, that was my job. That was your job, to pick okay. the song, and I remember being um, because I love music, and I remember and he loves music, and I remember us arguing all night over the various different ways you could put this across. Right. And uh, so, anyway, we fastened on one. End.
0: And what song did you go for?
1: So here's a little, it's a little pretentious. Uh, Well, it's lovely. It's beautiful. But my my motivations were a little pretentious. So I saw myself, like everybody does, our wedding is the best. We are the best couple. Um, We're going to change the world and we're going to be an amazing couple, life together and all this. And everybody thinks that. And so uh, it was so amazing that I didn't want our love just to be our love. I wanted our love to spread the love around. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're laughing. Everybody's throwing up. There's three people in this room and two of them are throwing up into a paper bag. And I wanted to spread... And
0: I, I lopped this stuff up normally. And I wanted
1: to spread... And I wanted... I told you I was a handful. And I wanted to spread our love around the world. So okay. I didn't want our our love song to be um, just between me and her. I wanted our love to be for the whole world. So... <laughs> I know you're serious. Listen, bear with me, will you? So I chose All You Need Is Love by The Beatles. That's a lovely because one. Because it's about not just... It's about two people coming, to, it's not about two people coming together, it's about the whole world coming together. And we're just a symbol of that, that two people can come together. But actually, we can be the beginning of if, of everybody can come together and, and love can solve all problems. Love, love can win. Love Absolutely. Can, and so all you need is love. And I've always loved that song up to the point where love actually ruined it for me. And I hate love actually. How can you hate love actually? Because it's the worst film ever made. But
0: it's Christmas. That's, a That's Christmas worse again. Oh jeez.
1: Not only is it the worst Christmas film, it's now qualified. I thought
0: you were it's an advocate for love, Mario. <laughs> I am. And I think that is corny,
1: cheesy, fake love. Uh, oh. Love actually is a terrible movie and um, and there, I know there are two types of people in this world. People that like love actually and people that don't and I'm one of them. And they ruined All You Need Is Love for me because the Beatles are my probably my favourite band and um, All You Need Is Love is, is a lovely song about... And they trashed it on you. They did, yeah. They trashed it on me.
0: And tell me, what what was your wedding day like? What did you do? Do you remember the venue? Mm. Tell us all about that.
1: Okay. So um, Blonnet and I both went to Trinity. So I went to Trinity and I was four years ahead of her. So I never met her in Trinity. Um, so, um, but we discovered this thing that if you had been a graduate of Trinity uh, at least seven years um, after you left, um, you could use the chapel. Yeah. In Trinity to get married. Stunning. And Blonnet was within seven years. So we got married in that stunning chapel in Amazing. Trinity College. And um so it was a it was a, about sixty people there. And um my friend Trevor, who his dad was a car, a vintage car aficionado. So he drove me in in a do you remember Inspector Morse? Yes. So that car, except in cream.
0: Cream oh, white. Wow. So that was
1: my that was my car. It was a really nice one. And um uh, so that's how I got into the church and then Blondard was there and looking amazing. And um everybody was there. Smallish wedding, Trinity College, absolutely beautiful chapel, and a lovely service. Um I think Blonde had, had a bottle of champagne to get over the woman. nerves. A whole bottle. And remember I said she's quite petite. So went straight to the head. Yeah, she was quite flighty on the day. Flighty. And um she actually totally slipped me the tongue big time on the is She getting you back on, for on, on the on the you may for kiss, back in the kitchen. on the you may kiss the bride bit. She slathered she me. She showed you. She slathered me. Even the the priest kind of blanched and went, "Well, not that much." <laughs> and I was there. <laughs> she really went for it. And which is unlike her because she's very discreet. Yeah. And uh, she's look, very private.
0: And champagne but kicks in. But she had a bottle
1: of champagne and uh, she absolutely mauled the face off me. And I remember, I just a lot of the pictures are me just covered in lipstick.
0: I love this.
1: And... Um,
0: Will she kill you now for telling this story?
1: I hope not. <laughs> Too I hope not. late. I hope not.
0: <laughs> and where where did you have your, your party?
1: So then we went to the Radisson Hotel in um, Stilorgan and um, oh, yeah. there's a lovely little restaurant there called Le Panto. And it was a small little um, wedding. And uh, it was, again, only spent 60, 60 guests.
0: You've had a lovely, intimate wedding at 60 yeah, people. it was a
1: proper shindig, you know. Yeah. And a proper party afterwards and a wedding band and all you need is love. And then beyond that, uh, my memory becomes a bit hazy because then, it turns then into life a kicks full in. ski- No, beyond, because... Uh, but seven and six o'clock in the evening it turns into a full scale piss up like so.
0: And did you get to the point where then was the was the dance floor yeah, tie definitely. on the head? Totally
1: and then the secondary friends come where the friends who weren't oh, for the afters. For the afters and then they're the ones you really want to have the crack with as yeah. well because they're the the, scalps, the scamps.
0: And as well they're bringing a whole new wave of energy in wave the Wave of energy
1: yeah yeah. So you're ready for it. Yeah yeah it was, so that was that was good and then um uh so that was great. So it was it was a lovely it was a brilliant day, you know, and, and Blonnet looked her wedding dress, she still has it, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. It really st- stood the test of time. Um it's a beautiful uh, dress and uh it, it, it wasn't so uh wedding y either. It was just a really classy dress and um so uh that's And still, it
0: feels like we're going back to that time now. Yeah. People are sli- simplifying and going back to timeless yeah. dresses and there's less fuss at the moment. Yeah, it
1: was simple. It yeah. was simple, all right, yeah. It was simple and there was no there was no head veil or anything. She yeah, had no head veil or anything. Um I and I think
0: as well in the likes of the Trinity, Trinity Chapel as well. It's it that is you know, you don't want to overdo it in there either. So yeah. that's a nice yeah. A nice yeah it, was, touch.
1: it was it was toned down enough, yeah. It it wasn't that lavish at all. And um but it was a good good piss up afterwards, like very good. Now it's that time of the podcast for cool finds. Cool finds, cool finds, cool finds.
0: Do you want a cool find? I'd love one. So there's this amazing company up in the Wicklow Mountains. The Wicklow Mountains, yeah, called K2 Alpacas. I know these guys. They're amazing. Yeah. Joe from uh, Joe Alpaca. I didn't know now you were going to bring this up. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So He's Joe, a Alpa- great man. Yeah, I tell you, Joe Alpaca did an expose shoot for me. We did a boho themed uh, shoot for TV and it went down a storm. And he brought his two little bambinos along they and were dressed as bride them. and groom. He knows all those alpacas individually. Oh my god, and he, he knows does. their personalities. They are doats. Like, yeah. because you know, you I get a little bit scared like I'm petrified of horses and stuff like that, but you go up to them, if you tickle their neck they purr. Oh, they're gorgeous and they love the limelight. Oh. They love being in pictures. So you can bring them along for the day and you can have them in your in your in your wedding photos. And they're obviously they're outside and they're munching around oh, yeah. and they're happy oh, out. Yeah, no, 'cause like yeah. that's the beauty of Ireland is everywhere you go to get married, you're gonna be around something that has grass and all that sort of thing. So you just go outside. With them um, and, and you know you can get some really nice pictures with them. I uh, no, not, yeah. and your guests can come up and and you see this is the thing the, the guys at K 2 know how to make sure that the alpacas aren't intimidated yes. and that they're comfortable and they'll you know they'll manage that situation with you nice. But this is what I learned with it, right? Because I would have had that concern as well. They actually love being socialized yeah. and they love the attention, they right? Do. And the thing is the guys at K2 know the boundaries within that um and you they make sure that they're kept safe. So whatever about them coming to your wedding, you can actually go up and do a trek with them. So you could have a wedding venue close by, or you know you could actually do an engagement shoot, which a lot of photographers offer. You can go up and do your engagement shoot up there, where in their little home. Oh, and you can he, bring he them does for a trek, the tracks, of yes, course. Yes, you bring it. You you personally bring the alpacas for a little walk, and they loved. And you've spoken quite openly about difficult family dynamics Mm. and particularly, you know, speaking out and encouraging people to speak out about it. How did that come into play when it came to your wedding? Did it affect the wedding day, trying to manage the different family personalities? And how was that for you in terms of coping with that?
1: Uh, uh, Not really, because I think at the time it wasn't wasn't as pronounced as it is now. So it was
0: keeping the peace and I suppose you're... It was a little bit of
1: keeping the peace, but it was it wasn't as pronounced. The difficulties I've had in my, you know, the difficulties I've had in my later years with with, um, you know, speaking to my father particularly weren't as pronounced back then. Mm -hmm. You know, we were we were still speaking and stuff like that. Now we don't really, you know. So um, uh, there wasn't that much difficulty in, in, in keeping the peace. I mean, my family have always been a disparate group and there's always fallings out everywhere. But it didn't
0: impact the wedding uh, at all. Not at all. No. Everybody. No. It was off, fine. Rolled in. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Everybody rolled in at that time. Um, it probably wouldn't be the same now because um, people just, you know, people are who they are, and they just harden, and they just get people become what they people who are what they are. They just become more of what they are. And when there's a clear
0: over. line of division, there's a clear line of division. Yeah.
1: Um. So. So yeah. So so no no people rocked in and um and it, it was a it was a, it was a it was a good overall a good occasion.
0: Brilliant. Hmm. And I suppose before you tied the knot, what sort of expectation did you have of marriage? Like what was it about marriage that made you want to do it?
1: Um, I, I mean, this goes two ways because uh, I guess you, you become a person at some age in your life where you probably reconcile with yourself privately that you're either a marriage person or not or a partner person or not. And I never had any problem with that, the idea of sharing my world with somebody else. So I was always going to be okay with that. And so then I never kind of really rebelled against that. I never went, I'm not sure about this. But I wanted to have a plan with somebody and um, create a family. So I suppose why is another matter, but it probably probably has something to do with my own difficult family upbringing and the fact that... um, I had a very, very rocky childhood in terms of my own upbringing. And I constantly craved and uh, looked for the security, uh, familial security that I could see in some of my friends had with their... I wrongly thought that when they went home to their house that they shut their door and there was a lovely fireplace and that mummy and daddy were perfect. Yeah. Now, they weren't perfect. Which no one is. But they were more secure than my one was. And I just basically... And
0: you crave that stability or that, yeah.
1: To create it myself. Yeah. And so myself and Blondell were married 20 years ago next year. Wow. And now we have two uh, children, Dash, 13, and Bellamy, 7. And, you know, I definitely have been part of creating a beautiful, stable, happy, secure family life for them that I never had
0: and would that be the, one of the most proudest things you think you've ever achieved?
1: 100%. Because it's hard. Those, it's hard work. The, it is hard work, but it's also, um, it just t- it takes a bit of stickability. And uh, I gave up, The other, funny enough, the other one is I gave up smoking when I was 35. Okay. And uh, I used to smoke like 25, 30 a day. And I used to associate smoking with thinking, which is a really bad thing to do. And uh, some people love smoking with coffee and their breakfast and uh, after work and before work and they punctuate their life. I used to do that and it with thinking. So I used to associate creating comedy with smoking and thinking, smoking, smoking, thinking. So I was terrified that if I would stop smoking, I would I would stop think, stop creating, being able to do sketches. Wow. But anyway, that didn't happen. So I gave up smoking and I gave up smoking two years before a year and a half before my first child was born, Dash, our first child. And so that made me really proud as well and made me know that I could work at, at being, having stability for a family, even, you know, th- yeah, doing things like up smoking. Yeah. So I was able to give up smoking, which is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. As it's anybody not to knows. be
0: underestimated.
1: Yeah. And so um, it's 100% the most proudest thing of the proudest thing I've done in my life is to create a happy family um, a base for uh, Blonnet and my two children.
0: And. You, you know, you, you spoke there about how you, you craved this stability. And I suppose, what if, you know, did you ever have those worrying moments um, in your marriage whereby you put so much emphasis on this this crave for this perfect stability that it almost goes on to, to blown it as well? Has that ever where, you know, because the reality isn't all perfect. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect situation. There are constant rocks and hurdles that you constantly try and challenge over together. Has that ever come to a head? Um. I mean,
1: everybody has their ups and downs, you know. I mean, so like my work is very high pressure, and mm-hmm. um, it took its toll at times, especially at the beginning. Funnily enough, um, when I was much younger, because I didn't realise um, how to deal with it—the the, the 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 constantly pr- pr- producing material, day after day after day—and uh, so I, I mean, in the early days, definitely, and especially when I was in my early thirties, I mean, I still had a very collegiate attitude towards drinking, mm-hmm. um, thinking that it's grand just to go out and absolutely binge drink yourself into the ground. That's just grand, like no, it's not grand. But nobody really tells you that it's not grand. It's Ireland, yeah. So actually, you're you're living in this ulterior ulterior universe, really, where everybody just drinks too much, yeah, way too much all the time. In in especially in media circles. I mean large media circles. I mean PR, yeah, journalism, acting, radio, television. It's like, get the job done, be really good at what you do, hit the marks, and then go out and get blasted. You know, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. And that definitely took its toll for me on my relationship on, on, on um,
0: and was there was there a call oh, yeah. to stop was oh, it like no, this no, is it not stop
1: but but you'll have Sternwitz. to stop you'll have to stop if you don't control yourself yeah and control it yeah and so I had to learn to control it and to develop a, a healthier relationship with alcohol and I'm actually fairly okay with it yeah in the sense that I, n- I, I never wanted to give up alcohol I didn't want to be one of those people I know because then you God think oh them. I'm going to miss out on something no, no not that God bless them I just didn't want to give in. I wanted to try and go, I actually love alcohol too much for it become to for it to become a problem. Yeah. I want to try and develop a secure a healthy relationship with it. And that again took a lot of work of just just monitoring yourself. Yeah. Monitoring yourself. And trying to do things like have two drinks. And then that's the end of your And then evening.
0: time for home. And you yeah. have to
1: practice that. Or do things like tricks like at eleven o'clock I'm walking out of here.
0: Some willpower, though, isn't it? But
1: I used to never do that. I used to go,
0: we'll see what happens. Yeah, you see, I'm. When the, you like, say
1: we'll see what happens, you're gone. Yeah, that means you're you're out till four, and
0: you're having a good time. Yeah, but w-
1: w- if you go, I'm out of here at eleven, no matter what. Then that's your plan. Go. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was a. I used to. Blon had put up with me in those regards, in terms of, um, you know, and then, and then be hangovers as well, you know. So it's like I work really hard. I work really hard. I work so hard. I deserve I deserve it. a few drinks and just because I have a hangover, you're giving out to me. So this is all self-pity again. Of course. Yeah. So learning that it's self-pity and learning to cop on to yourself, basically.
0: And would Blonnet have any really annoying habits? Yes. Do you want to share them with us? Sure.
1: Go for it. Um, she, she never tells me... She always tells me... She always barks orders at me about doing house chores so does she uh, have
0: to bark them at you because you wouldn't she, naturally
1: this is what she says she it. says I really wish I didn't have to bark at you but you're not volunteering to do them yourself so I have to bark uh, so I guess I have that classic problem where I'm not volunteering enough to find the problem you don't see them well I'm, I'm supposed to be looking around for these things looking for the problem to solve I can't see it you and can't then she see goes, that the
0: skirting boards are dirty no
1: or I can't I see that that needs that that there's a wine stain on the, the circle on that top countertop. I didn't see that. You
0: don't have the laser eye.
1: No. And and so I'm meant to find these things. So I don't find them, and then she barks at me and tells them. She is fastidious in her in her house proudishness. She's she she is a brilliant um homemaker. Brilliant. And, um, she is very proud of that, and but that's only her own. And that is a balance standards. in marriage. Is
0: is is finding your space with each other. Have one messy one, one very tidy one, and yeah. trying to find that balance. But
1: see, you don't even get it. I'm not messy. I'm actually clean. You're just talking about a different planet with her. I mean, I'm actually planet normal. She's actually Star Trek. You know, you know, Star Trek clean. And what you would
0: know. she say is your most annoying habit?
1: Um. Oh, oh God, I would say a few things. Um. I grunt, um, <laughs> I grunt when I'm watching television, I, without knowing I'm grunting because I'm kind of agreeing or disagreeing with what somebody's saying, and I'm, mm, 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 mm.
0: <laughs>
1: and I don't know I'm doing that grunt. I do voices at home, and I don't <laughs> I, know I'm doing the voices because really? I'm practicing. You just I'm, slip
0: into character.
1: Well, because I'm I'm writing in my head, so I'm writing a sketch. So I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm going. Oh, I could do that. And Paschal of going over there, and I'm thinking, Leo, I might say that now. Just make myself a cup of tea here. And then, no, Pascal, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, I'm on my own in the kitchen. So she goes, you're doing Is that. Is that not
0: like, well, obviously she's very no, used she's to it. she's but used to it. She's used to it, yeah. But yeah. she doesn't think like there's, And know, there's a few people in the in the kitchen there having a chat.
1: My son might come in, Dad, you're talking to yourself. Just like points it out. <laughs> and uh, and I go, yeah, I know I'm talking to myself. I don't know I'm talking to myself, but I'll just say I do, yeah. I know I'm talking to myself. So um, I do that all the time. Yeah. I also do all the shower stuff. So I... The yep. shower is a great acoustic, so I'm in there. I'm doing my voices, and they think there's something going on in there. Sounds like about five people in the shower having a jamboree, do that and um, uh, other annoying habits. Yeah, I, I walk around naked too much, so Look. I really should have got over that in my late twenties, early. You gotta 30s. be liberated. Uh, but no, I'm a bit too nakedy, and um, I really shouldn't be because it's not becoming.
0: Particularly if your your kids' friends are over.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't. I don't do it when they're there. I know. I'm not saying I'm a naturist. (laughs) I'm not a naturist. But but the, I am a kind of a person who kind of wanders around the top of the house, especially after getting out of bed, kind of naked for too long. Yeah. So you know the way. There's a time, right? You get out of bed. Let's say. Let's say you're naked. Okay. There is a time where you should get dressed. In other words, put something on, either a dressing gown or something. I allow that time to go on a bit too long. So I'll walk around naked too long, I think. That might only be... A minute and a half, but it's the long. Go- it's, it's 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 quite a distressing minute. Have, and have half. you
0: tried any of mental intervention to cut that time down to just get up, get dressed? Yep, so I pulled good. in the naked thing. You, you reined it in.
1: Yeah, so like things like getting out of the shower and not doing the towel properly and all this sort of stuff, and you know that's not happening anymore. So no. I've got to get make sure the towel. So you're
0: on it. You know you've got the mental checklist. Strap
1: on towel, <laughs> and uh, making sure I fully covered. So yes, yeah, so I was a bit.
0: This uh, is this is good to know. This is this is important that we know that you've gotten through this. And I suppose, what do you feel are the biggest hurdles of married life?
1: Ooh, the biggest hurdles of married life. I, I mean, I'll, I'll come at it from a, will come at it from a cliched point of view and see if I we'll get anywhere from that point, because it's always going to be true. And that is um, compromise. Right. So learning to compromise is something that a lot of people have a problem with. It's my way or the highway. I'm yeah. always right. There's so many people like that. I accuse other people all the time of going, you never listen to anybody and it's always you and it's you who's right always. Well, actually, that's me as well. And we're all like that to a certain, a greater or lesser extent. So, so, so it's the difficulty of subverting uh, and obviating your own needs and your own deeply held stupid convictions and parking them for a minute and listening to somebody else and just hearing somebody else. So, that's the taking somebody for granted. I think yeah. can happen in marriage, taking your wife for granted, um, and
0: or vice versa. I'm not taking going to speak husbands. for her, yeah.
1: But 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 taking somebody for granted, I think, is a dangerous, a dangerous thing, where the most valuable person in your life is the person you're treating with the least respect.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that is terrible when you do that. And I hate myself for that when that happens. And and I try to apologize. And I. I buy her a lot of flowers Do
0: you have a I, subscription with Interflora? <laughs>
1: but, but, but I don't buy her flowers for fuck ups I, it's See not, that is
0: important no, to me I buy yes. her
1: flowers Yeah just not, for no reason just because I love Not the guy in the you. ad who did something bad and then he's sorry I buy her flowers a lot for just to remind her to just remind her that she is special and that I do love her. And she will admit to that, that I do buy her flowers a lot.
0: That is lovely. I yeah. think because it doesn't matter what it is. It's just to acknowledge someone. It is. And we forget because we're going through the day to day life of get kids up, get them to school, make yeah, dinners. And I'm we're guilty, on that roller coaster. But, but I'm guilty
1: and as guilty as anybody else of, um, of taking the person who's most important to me in my life for granted. And so I guess that's the difficulty of marriage that you end up trampling over the person at times using with your bad moods or whatever or, yeah. a, or a and we do
0: mood. take it out on the one that's close you to you take us. it out
1: of all the people of all the people to take it yeah. out on and that's I think the difficulty of marriage
0: and how with that difficulty how do you overcome conflict so when you see something like that creeping in and you know the fight kicks off or mm. it may not be a fight it might be just a bitter passing of words how do you come over conflict together I sulk are you a silent treatment or I'm like si- myself I go silent yeah I go I go deadly silent and then
1: she goes silent and I outlast her on the silence And uh, because it's a game, for some reason, I can play slightly better than her because she's a little bit more honest than me in that regard. And she doesn't want, for example, she would have a inner, inner, inner motto don't go to bed on an argument. Yeah. Whereas I'll go to bed on an argument. And how and, long can you go up, pure silent for? Oh, I'll go three, four days if I want to. Do
0: you think she might do that on purpose you stop talking to yourself around the house?
1: <laughs> Maybe, Could yeah. this be a strategy? Yeah, yeah. Go <laughs> silent. I'll start an argument with him show he's stopped doing that stupidly over Um, But uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Listen, we do make it up and we do, we do have mechanisms to make it up. She can make me smile. So when she breaks my face, into a smile, then, and it's then it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's I gone.
0: I love it. And do you have particular kind of not rules, but you know, dedicated things like Wednesday nights date night, or we have you know we make we, you're specific about we make time for each other. Do you have anything? We've been like a bit that? more
1: fastidious about that in recent years. Yeah, I mean, one thing we try to do is we try to get out every week, once a week, just for the two dinner, of you for dinner. Yeah, so that's that silence, that's a quiet space for the two of you. Yeah, I mean, it's much more difficult for Blonde because she's a homemaker, mm-hmm. home manager. Uh, and um, it's much easier for me because I'm I'm out and about and surrounded exactly, by people. Yeah. Whereas she is in that inertia of the house. It's m- and the kids. And I don't say this to try and win kudos anywhere. It's obvious. It's much harder for a woman that job than the man's job is to be out. I work and I make the money. It's much easier than doing the job that they do. That it's a it's a really hard job. It is. It's a twenty four hour job rather than an eight hour job. Yeah. And, and the um, pay is crap. The pay is crap, and uh, it is. But except unless you buy the amount of flowers that I do, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the so the the so so yeah so, so so we do make time for that. Um, we try to settle family arguments as a foursome together, and we try to have a debate in the room where yeah. everybody gets their chance to speak. And then, myself. So it's
0: not like the dictatorship where it's like, no, this is how it is. No, you no, come together. it's not a dictatorship,
1: but it's not, but it's not um, Mr. Liberal, happy, clappy families as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I'm not having my children divorcing me when they're eight. You get to have your say, but we get the final say. Of course. Parents. No, of but course. really, I do think that that's, I think children are much too mollycoddled at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that children are, there's too much helicopter parenting. There's too many parents getting involved in their children's work at school. Mm-hmm. there's too many parents telling uh, teachers what they should be doing for their little Johnny or little Jane yeah um,
0: and it's so true there
1: are now parents who are going in, up until 18 years of age and 20 years of age there are, there are documented accounts studies done on this in the United States of parents going into job interviews with their oh my with god their, with their no. children they're going into job interviews with their children and then complaining that they didn't get the job and complaining stop yes it's happening all over the place it's Molly coddling
0: and d- when you were you know, planning your family, starting your family anew when your first was about to arrive. And did yourself and Plonid have this very clear vision of the parents you wanted to be and the parenting style? Did you both have agreement or were there any, I suppose, disagreements in how things should be done? Do you do you knock heads on parenting?
1: We do, yeah. We do now, but we didn't then. No, because
0: so, it's a little easier then. It's just keep yeah, them alive. but I also
1: think that we had a reasonably healthy attitude and the attitude is do your best. Yeah. And I don't think we were too prescriptive or really, we didn't read too many books. At least I didn't. Um, but uh, Blondon may have tried to read books and stuff. But I, I do think that we, at the end of the day, we did, in inverted commas, did our best. Yes. And I think that doing your best is, as, a, pers- as a person who's had children and is having, them grow up around me, um, it, doing your best is the way to go. Whatever your perception of the best is, mm-hmm. it's all you can do. Yeah. But now we have much more conversations about parenting because there are much, many, many, many more issues now. She's seven. He's 13. Yeah. And there are, as you might imagine, all the issues surrounding social media. Of course. And freedom. And, and being it allowed out, the life out of and you. all of this sort of stuff there's quite a careful navigation in his case now we have a certain um, age being reached where um, moods are sort of changing and that's difficult for us to deal with at times Yeah
0: because you don't know which way to yeah. to go you say this you know, well they end up on drugs if they don't if you, yeah. do the, you know it is it's exactly. a really big challenge Exactly And I suppose on that note Mario what sort of advice would you give to couples now that are about to embark on their I suppose their marriage their wedding journey Looking back now and being the wise one, what's the best advice you would give a couple?
1: Well, I'd never say that I was the wise one, um, but I, I, I've done it for a few years and um, I'm muddling through the same way as everybody. Two things. When it comes to parenting, do your best, whatever you can. It will be good enough. Everybody's different. You will get through it. It will be good enough. Don't doubt yourself. And two, reflecting on what I said earlier on, just when you feel you're taking them for granted, don't take your wife for granted. She is the most special person in your life and the person that least deserves to be taken for granted. She's your ally, your partner, the person who has your back and the person who you spend the night with, every night with. Um, stick with her. Uh, stay with her. Just honour her as best you can and do and as well as do your best with her and don't, don't take it for granted.
0: I love it. Maria, thank you so, so much. That was really insightful. I took a good bit away from that. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Excuse me.
0: Oh, oh my God.
1: Sorry. What? Um, welcome what? to another episode of Primetime. Um, this is going to be an on the fly episode of Primetime. I'm really disgusted that of all your wedding interviewees, you haven't decided to interview me. I'm so sorry, Miriam. I have eight kids. Oh can you God. imagine what I can talk about parenting? And you talk to this agent about his two kids. I have four times the amount of children this guy does. Why don't you talk to me about my wedding? My wedding was extraordinary. Tell us. My dress alone. My hair. It took 17 hours to get done. You won't ask me. He didn't even do his hair. All you need is love. Rubbish. Miriam, I'm so sorry. My my wedding song was I'm Every Woman. Because I am Every Woman. It's all in me. Good night. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Real Weddings with Zara. Thanks
0: to producer Ruth Devaney, voiceover extraordinaire Phil Cawley and Pink Champagne Wedding Band for our Cool Finds jingle. Join me next week where we will be chatting to another top guest to get the scoop about their wedding day and married life. Until then, you can find me at Irish Wedding Blog on social media channels.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.